Welcome to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. It's Yoki Haru off the glass and out to the neutral zone, picked up by Marcus Pedersen. Passes right side for Marino by the scorer's table. He'll blast that one back in. The clock near zero. A back-to-back -back sweep for the Penguins as it's yet another two-point party on Fifth Avenue. Four-nothing, the final score. A shutout once again for Casey DeSmith. 179 minutes and 52 seconds of a straight goose egg for number one against the Buffalo Sabres. Anthony Beauvillier back in his own zone. Sidesteps the pressure from Gensel. Over the Penguin line, left side for Nelson. Into the slot, Arister through, Jari and in. Brock Nelson makes it 5-3 Islanders. Well, ultimately, you get judged on on uh, your your success. And so, um, you know, I, I think our performance in the regular season, uh, I would have to think it, it would be acceptable that we won our division. But having said that, we have higher expectations in Pittsburgh. We have higher expectations inside our room, and, and we didn't ultimately live up to that. And we all have to take ownership for it. This was a big year of growth for me. This was the first year I was able to start a lot of games and play a lot of games consecutively. And I think it was just a lot of learning. And it's a lot of stuff that I could improve on and work on. I think that's going to help me this summer is just to have an idea of what I need to improve on and what I need to do to be better next year. It was a great regular season, followed by a tragic postseason. Depth and resilience was the Penguins' hallmark through the 56-game regular season schedule. But in the final analysis, the one injury the Penguins weren't equipped to overcome was the groin injury to Casey DeSmith. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Penguins Live Weekly. This is Paul Steigerwald along with Brian Metzer, Wayne Gretzky, Anderson at the controls. Good morning, Metz. I know that sounds like an oversimplification, but the failures of Tristan Jari were compounded by the absence of Casey DeSmith and the reluctance of Mike Sullivan to turn to Maxime Legacy for relief. Yeah, I don't think it's over oversimplified at all, Stag. Good morning to you and good morning, Wayne. But uh, I think that goaltending was the difference in the series. So still, I, with I know uh, we were saying that in our post game the other night, but now with a couple of days to look back, I, I feel that way even more. Uh, and even hearing the guys during their breakdown day, I think they feel that way as well. Uh, they didn't come out and say it outright, but a lot of people are looking at this even around the league and saying, well, the biggest disparity for the Pittsburgh Penguins who potentially carried play for five of six games was their goaltender. And it's a shame, but yeah, you're right. Had Casey DeSmith been available, he probably would have found his way into one or two of these games, even if it wasn't in a starting capacity. He certainly would have come in to try and stop the bleeding. And Mike Sullivan didn't have the faith in Maxime uh, Legacy to have that happen. And he did it all year, right? Like he came in and, and uh, it would have freed up Tristan Jari's mind, I think, too. It isn't just that what Casey DeSmith would have done, but it's what he would have done for Jari to take some of that burden away from him and you because know, he could always come back and play the next game. I mean, but he didn't have that. There was no relief. There was nobody else to turn to. It was all on Jari's shoulders. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, and, and it's unfortunate because there was so much talk this season about acquiring a – Another goaltender, just a, a veteran backup to kind of be here and be that guy just in case someone would falter. And I think both goaltenders played so well through the month of March and on that I think that that came out of the thinking process of management. And they said, OK, we're OK. We have these two guys who were very, very competent, playing at a fairly high level. The way our team plays in front of them will be OK. Well, when one of them goes down, you couldn't just turn to the other one as you had all season long. And so... Um, it is it is what it is at this point, but I don't think that they will find themselves in that position again. I, I have a feeling that 
be it in a starting capacity or in a backup capacity. I know we're going to look ahead later, Stag, but I wouldn't be shocked to see some veteran goaltender on this roster come the start of next season. And when we zoom out, there were other issues that reared their ugly heads in the playoffs, i.e. the Penguins' troubles in overtime uh, in the playoffs, the lack of production from the Stars at certain points, particularly in Game 5 when they generated a zillion shots, but they just couldn't get that next goal. And the, the physical nature of the playoffs, the Penguins have always been able to deal with it, but it just felt to me like that was a particularly acute issue in the in that series and the inability to score when the series is on the line of game five as I said was one of them but uh, your thoughts just as we go through these things quickly we'll get back to it later but just on those other issues that may have come to pass yeah I I just hope um, for all of that having been said I I hope there's not any real big knee-jerk reactions made here because it still was a very good hockey team and there's a lot of skill, there's a ton of depth, there's a ton of energy, and there is some physicality there. I mean, you have some guys that rolled up some hits this season. I think that you just probably, the biggest thing for me is I'd like to see somebody become and or acquired to be a body in front of the net on the offensive side. Because in those games when you're rolling up all those goals and you can't score, I think that's one area where someone like Patrick Hornquist, who we've talked a lot about, was missed. Just because of his ability to take a goaltender, goaltender's eyes away, to interfere a little bit legally with the goaltender. And that's what they were doing the other side. I mean, the Islanders were attacking Tristan Jari. Half the time they bear-hugged him, knocked him over. Early in the series is what I'm talking about. They did that a lot to him, and I think it got him off his game a bit. And nobody on this side was doing that. So, yes, I think that was an issue. Some Some decision-making with the puck probably reared its head a little bit. There were some defensive lapses, but I still will constantly look back at this as one that I think they let slip away. I mean, they had the lead going to the third period in four of six games, having said everything that we just did. So when this Penguins team over the years has had a lead going to the third, they've been near unbeatable. Sadly, they weren't in this series. And I think in the final analysis, uh, we learn once again, there's a big difference between the regular season and the playoffs. No doubt. uh, and you have to build a team for the playoffs, which I think Ron Hextall is going to have to do. He's probably going to have to think a little bit harder about how this team will look at playoff time. you got to make the playoffs, and the Penguins have done a phenomenal job of that 15 consecutive years. But lately, they're not necessarily <clears throat> excuse me, built for playoff success. We'll expand on these subjects, take a look at uh, what was most definitely a bittersweet and in the end, really more bitter than sweet season for the Penguins and look ahead to what might happen this summer. It's all coming up on our final hour of Spirited Saturday Morning Hockey Talk on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by ST Bank. Hey, hey, my name is John Nell, and a little thing that I love about Chick-fil-A's new lemon kale Caesar salad is every tender, warm, juicy piece of grilled chicken is just perfection. Order the new lemon kale Caesar salad on the Chick-fil-A app today. Available for a limited time. Real guests paid for their testimonial. Hi, Pittsburgh Penguins fans. This is Tristan Jari. You may know me to make big saves on the ice at PPG Paints Arena, but off the ice, I make big saves as well by trusting the walls in my home to PPG Paints. PPG Ultra Last is engineered to save your walls by repelling the most difficult stains and by resisting unsightly scuffs, even from hockey pucks. If you want to keep your walls looking clean and fresh, choose PPG Ultra Last, a hometown Pittsburgh brand you can count on. PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins. 15 years and counting. The Penguins are in the playoffs for the 15th straight year. Celebrate every Penguins playoff game with Dairy Queen, the official ice cream and ice cream cake of the Penguins. Order your Penguins branded cake online right now at dqcakes.com. And let's go Pens. Pennsylvanians are creating their own soundtrack thanks to PA Lottery Scratch-Off's Excitement's Back. 
pennies, nickels, dimes, or quarters, no matter your choice, Scratchin's always in order. With big top prizes and second chance drawings, thrills await. They're out there calling if it's excitement you seek and you're looking for action, play the PA Lottery. And keep on scratching. Must be 18 or older. Please play responsibly. Benefits older Pennsylvanians every day. UPMC has you covered when you need to see your doctor. UPMC video visits allow you to have a video appointment with many of our primary care providers and specialists without having to leave home. There's no need to cancel an existing appointment and no reason to wait to schedule a new one. Plus, UPMC is here for you with urgent care video options. It's easy, convenient, and all from the comfort of home. To learn more, talk with your doctor today. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. As we tick down to eight minutes to play here in this third period, it's Matheson to the left side. Jankowski through the neutral zone. Gains the flyer line down the left wing. Cuts behind and down the forehand. Centers in front. Nobody home. And the Flyers will look to go the other way. Pens with three men caught behind the play. Four now as Couturier races in. Has a man with him. Lindblom centers in front. Lindblom a couple cracks atop the crease. Stopped by Jari. The rebound. They score. Travis Konechny found the loose change in that scramble in the Penguins crease. And it's a two-goal advantage for Philadelphia. 5-3 to score. Philadelphia up by two, looking for more, coming back in on the attack. A shot from the point, stopped by Jari, the rebound, put right back in by Hayes. Kevin Hayes at the left wing circle. Wide open net off the rebound, off Jari. And just like that, all of a sudden, two goals in less than 30 seconds. The Flyers have a 6-3 lead. Holy smokes. From the very first game of the 56-game regular season schedule on January 13th, the jury was out on Jari. And it still is in some ways because when you go into a season uh, with a goaltender who's unproven in the playoffs, you still wonder well what he will do at that time of the year. It comes around back to the right point. Malkin couldn't stop it. And it went right by him all the way towards Tristan Jari. Jari gave it away. Bailey scores. Game over. Jari had it, coughed it up, and Josh Bailey gives the Islanders the win. 51 seconds in to the second overtime. Final score, the Islanders three and the Penguins two. That tragic ending to game five was one horrible moment that Jari was unable to recover from mentally and emotionally in game six. On the surface, he maintained his composure with only a few words after that game five, but his performance in game six spoke volumes. He had been broken by the Islanders, just as so many opposing goalies had been broken by the Pittsburgh Penguins over the years. Islanders come back in. Bailey cross ice for Nelson. He scores at the bottom of the left wing circle. Josh Bailey, a great feed to Brock Nelson, who beat the outstretched right pad of Jari. Goes upstairs and ties the game at three. Islanders score off the draw. It's Pulak, a blast from the right point. Snuck through Jari. And New York with two goals in less than a minute. Erases the Penguin lead and takes one of their own. First time tonight, it's 4-3 Islanders. Bit of up and down year for me, just being playing the games I did, and I guess I had a bit of a rough start at the beginning of the year, and I think that I was able to pick it up and play a lot of good hockey, and then I think in the playoffs, I obviously 
wish it would have went better. I think there were some things I could do differently and some things that I could learn from. I think uh, next year there's a lot of room for improvement for me. Being able to learn from that experience, that was my first time playing in postseason games consecutively. I think just being able to learn from that, learn from the goals I let in, learn from the mistakes that I had, and I think that'll make me a better person and a better goalie just taking those experiences i think those are experiences that you could hold for you hold with you for a lifetime and just learn from i think that's something that i'll reflect on over the summer and come back better next year from i remember when terry bradshaw was horrible for the steelers when he first came here and we all knew what his promise was he was a really talented person and he ended up being a tremendous quarterback and a champion so I think that you could apply that to uh, to any sport, and you could find guys like that who went through some tough times earlier in their career and then uh, broke through to become the player that uh, a lot of people felt they could become. We know that goaltending, uh, as Harry Neal once said, he said, goaltending is 75% of the game. Unless you don't have it, then it's 100%. <laughs> so, And I have another line that I use a lot too. Show me a great goalie and I'll show you a great coach. I mean, you know, Mike Sullivan did a great job this year, but – he was left with Tristan Jari to, to, to kind of fulfill his uh, faith uh, in him, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, it was unfortunate for him. I, I know I'm kind of torn here because, and I think everybody is, because you, you see what happened and you see the mistakes that were made, and you can point to 10 different things in the games that happened around it, but we will always remember something like the overtime situation and some of these other spots. But on the other end, this is a young guy trying to make his way in the league, and you feel really terrible because you don't want to pile on him because of what you just said. He's still talented. He's still done things at a fairly high level over the course of his career. I mean, he's 30 games over 500 for his career in the regular season. So you're feeling like, okay, this, this guy still has a lot to, to show, and he, he's a pretty good goaltender. Um, but with, this is what I, the way I look at it, Stag. I mean, with the new management team and everything, are they beholden to any of that? I don't think they are. So they are looking at what's in front of them. They will look at this season and make a decision if they feel this is their goaltender moving forward. And that's the, the big question. And, and pro sports, at the end of the day, feelings don't matter, you know, and that's what's tough because I do feel bad for the young man because it's going to be a, this playoff will be a stigma that's going to follow him. And I, I saw this is a funny thing, though, Stag. I saw a meme floating around after the game the other night, and it was a man on a gallows. And he's smiling and looking to his right at somebody else on the gallows. And it said, Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray texting Tristan Jari. And the caption says, is this your first time? (laughs) (laughs) It made me laugh because that's exactly what this is. It's his first time and hopefully not of many playoff um, stumbles because I know that he is a talented goaltender. And you just hope for him in the next opportunity, be it here, anywhere else in his career, that, that it's a better showing for him. Well, I think he's going to be a better goalie than he was in the playoffs. I do. I really believe that. I mean, I watched him enough this season to know the guy can stop the puck. He's a pretty good goalie. He's yeah. one of the better young goalies in the league, to be honest with you. He really is. But, you know, that was a big test, getting thrown into the playoffs. It's the one thing we didn't know if he could do. And, you know, Matt Murray did it right out of the right out of the gate. But he wasn't very good in the regular season. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's a guy you could have counted on to, to get you to the playoffs necessarily because he was injured a lot and stuff like that. This guy looks like he could play a lot of games and, and, and help you win, but you need – more than one goalie, obviously. You look around the league now. Everybody tandems. does that, yeah. You're right, right. I mean, started here almost. I mean, that thinking. Plus, you can go way back to, I, I look at 2010 Chicago Blackhawks, Philadelphia Flyers, Stag. Both got to the Stanley Cup final. 
and both were kind of e- either using journeyman goaltenders and or a tandem. Um, it was Niemi for Chicago, and I forget who the other player was. It may have been a young Corey Crawford, to be honest. And then you get into the Flyers net, and I think it was Brian Boucher and uh, Michael Layton. So you play the right way, and you get big saves at the right moments, and you get on a roll, and you got your tandem working. The Penguins had Fleury and Murray. Um, even Zatkoff came in and played a huge game. I mean, these these situations pop up. Frank Pietrangelo had to play and win a game. Always. You the know? Penguins have always – I think 92 is the only year they didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, you know? where he played – yeah, Tommy B played through. So I think tandems are always necessary, and at the very least, you can even look at uh, the 2009 run whenever they were revamping just a little bit, making their trade deadline deals, they brought in Matthew Garan because they weren't maybe, can, can, you know, can, can, I, can't, I don't even know if they were sure that Sabrin was the guy to be the backup that year. So they brought in Garan, and not that they had to use him a lot, but at the same time, he's a player that they identified as being a solid backup who could win some games. And Mike Sullivan was just simply not willing to go to Maxime Legacy, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and that. Boy, that's an indictment of legacy, in my opinion. Uh, you know, those guys study these goalies in practice, and they they know what they're. I was capable. a little shocked by it. Yeah, I think he probably. I, I think maybe a, a guy, in, you know, with a with a, a positive frame of mind and with an adrenaline pumping, might have been better off at a certain point in that game six uh, than a guy who was emotionally and mentally kind of rattled. I guess would be the word I would use if not shattered at that point don't you think also this team has proven when there is somebody in that like that they raise everything defensively offensively they're a little bit more concerned with puck management they're not making as many in zone mistakes uh and I think it was evidence I know the Buffalo Sabres are not the New York Islanders but in Legacy's last his start and when he got the shutout they didn't allow a shot for the final 10 plus minutes of the third period to help him with that and I think that when two goals go in in 13 seconds, that may have been an opportunity where you're only down one, where that could have changed momentum. Because Mike Sullivan has said many times over the years that I didn't pull the goaltender because it was on him or anything. I'm just trying to get a change in the moment. And you were playing for your lives there. And I, I, I mean, we're not on the bench. We don't know what was going through everyone's mind, Stag, but... I wasn't seeing much there that was telling me that the kid was going to be able to backstop them the rest of that game, and that's a shame because he, he I don't know if he was shattered or if it was just a snowball effect because you know sometimes it goes sideways like that, and once, once it rains, it pours, but unfortunately it got away from him, and I think that would have been a good opportunity even for some period of time. Like I, I know you mentioned it. Um, who was that that was pulling the goalies and putting them back and forth? You were talking about... Mike Keenan, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. musical change. Yeah, you musical were talking goals. about doing that. Maybe that was a good opportunity to even let him finish out the period and come back out for the third or something. Something. Yeah, I agree. Uh, here's what uh, Mike Sullivan had to say when asked what he told Tristan Jari in his exit interview. I'm not prepared to share the details of, uh, of our discussion. Um, you know, I think that's between Tristan and I, but but what what I will tell you is, is that, you know, we talked about um, – you know, his, his development as, as a player and, um, you know, some of the positive things and the progress that's made in areas where, where we think, uh, you know, he can improve and get better. And, uh, that's the discussion we have with all of our players. And, and that, that's one of the purposes of the, of the, the exit meetings in general is to, is to offer some feedback, is to have some reflection and, uh, and to set some goals moving forward. When the Penguins won their cups, it was always Mario Lemieux, Tom Barrasso, um, Sid, and Gino, Flurry. 
or Sid, Gino, and Murray. So it seems like it was the top stars that can score and you know lead your team that way, and then also the goaltender who were you know you could debate who would win the Conn Smythe. I mean, sometimes uh, during the course of those five Stanley Cup championships, and here's Sidney Crosby on what his thoughts were after the loss to the Islanders. I thought uh, we got better as the series went on, and um, you know I think you look at uh, two overtime games, obviously that we lost. Um, being able to win one of those would have been would have been huge. Um, but you know I think uh, we did a lot of good things in you know, the last couple of games. I thought we played really well. We made some some big mistakes, obviously tonight. Um, you know I miss a guy in a couple on a couple chances ended up in the back of our net. So. Um, you know, just uh, a play here or there was really the difference. And, uh, you know, I've got to come up with that on either side of the puck. There you go. I like the fact that Sid took ownership of that. He had only one goal. He never shot a puck into the net. He deflected it, and it was beautiful. But he never shot a puck into the net in the whole series. And he had those two defensive lapses, but he also made two, maybe the best defensive plays in the whole series at the Mets. Yeah, those saves were, were outstanding and a lot of fun to see him make. And uh, I <laughs> – you know, that's Sid, though. He always is going to shoulder the load for this team. He's a great leader, and people are going to beat him up a little bit for not being a little bit more productive in this series. But I still see all the opportunities that he had. And, and him, more than anybody else, Stag, probably got the most physical abuse in this series. Uh, not He and Brian Dumlin, I would say, were the two that really got knocked around quite a bit early. And Jake Ensel also. Yeah, Jake did. But Sid, in that last game oh even, I, I'm not sure he was right after taking that cross check in the back from Nelson. He laid there for a bit. He very much labored to get himself up. And that that I'm not even saying you need a bruiser on this team, but that's something you wish somebody would kind of mitigate in some way for you, just Sidney Crosby getting knocked around like that. And it uh, the the stripes. Maybe they could mitigate it. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> but that's never that. going to happen. That's a lost I cause. I know. We could spend a whole show talking about that crap. Yeah, no doubt. But, but I mean, there's no question. The area in front of the net now is a war zone. You're it is. You're basically do anything you want there. Yeah, yeah. And, and you even see, I mean, Jake Gensel taking a butt end in the face. I mean, all these different things happen. It's a shame, but it, it has gotten to be that again. And I think for a few years going back, they had not cleaned it up because the playoffs are always the playoffs, but it is starting to get a little bit more Wild West again. It is, no question. And... Uh, you know, Sid, Gino, Latang, they still have the fire based on everything we heard yesterday from all the other players. I mean, they're absolutely just in love with these guys as leaders, and they believe they still want to win very badly, and nobody wants uh, to see that broken up. And uh, let's not forget the uh, this this guy here. He, he did pretty well, too, this season for the Penguins, thanks to Ronnie Hextall. Penguins racing in McCann down the right side. Left wing feed. Malkin a shot. That was stopped by Hauser and somehow stayed out. It was Carter at the left wing circle who fired it. Oh, I want another look at it. After review is determined, the puck completely crossed the goal line. We have a good goal. Left side, Jared McCann feeds it back for John Marino. To the right side, Kasperi Kapanen, a right-hand shot. Down low for Zucker. In front, they shoot and score! Jeff Carter atop the crease, a power play goal. It's two for Carter, two for Penguins. Two won the score. Picked up by Yoki Haru. Skates up the right wing, outlets there. It's deflected into the Penguins' end by Olofsson. Far corner, John Marino throws it forward. He finds McCann with speed through center. Chips it right side for Goudreau. Into the slot, curls on the forehand. Left side for Pedersen, looking in front. They shoot and score, and it's Jeff Carter falling down as he buries it. Throw the hats. A hat trick for 77 in black and gold. It's 3-2 pens. Sabres in their own end, turn it over, it's Carter, a backhander, he scores! Make it four for Jeff Carter, top shelf at the right circle. 
And the Penguins up 6-3 here early in the third. Pretty good stuff. I mean, the Penguins' late-season production uh, from Carter was uh, one of many impressive aspects to the Penguins' regular season. They never lost more than two in a row, were almost unbeatable on home ice, were the highest-scoring team in the league, won the division title, made the playoffs for a 15th straight year, and Sidney Crosby registered a point a game for the 16th consecutive season, and they went 16-5-2 without Geno. I mean, really, if you took look at the whole picture from what the Penguins did from start to finish, pretty amazing stuff. They had a lot to really be proud and happy well, not about. Not to finish. But yeah, yeah, but a lot to <laughs> be proud and season. happy about, Stag. I mean, it, it was a, a, a remarkable year with all that they dealt with and all the COVID and the pandemic stuff, no fans, testing every day, not being able to live your life a lot. Uh, I think the guys did a, a really outstanding job. And um, quick, Carter, all he did was put up 13 goals and 16 points in 20 games, counting the playoffs. So I would say that was a heck of an addition, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do as a Penguin for a full season. I think that he had been stymied a little bit by the Los Angeles Kings, so that's going to be fun. But, yeah, everything you mentioned, guys revealing themselves as great depth pieces here. It was a, a really, really fun regular season, and I hope that what we saw coming in and even the team we did see on the ice in the playoffs, which was still pretty formidable, I mean, they carried play for large chunks, will be largely what we see at the start of next year with maybe an addition or two. When we come back, we're going to reflect on the resignation of Jim Rutherford at the beginning of the Burke Hextall era, right after these messages on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by ST Bank. Pittsburgh's biggest discounts for Pittsburgh's biggest hockey fans. Shop JimShorkey.com. Score big on over 3,000 vehicles featuring the hottest new models from Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Ford, Kia, Mitsubishi, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, and now Chevrolet. The time to trade in and trade up is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsor of the Pittsburgh Penguins and equally committed to giving our fans a great experience. Shop JimShorkey.com. I'm attorney Edgar Snyder. You'll often find me cheering for our black and gold alongside the hardworking people who have made this city great. Pittsburghers are hardcore sports fans and loyal workers. But what happens if you're hurt on the job? At Edgar Snyder & Associates, we'll make sure you get the benefits you deserve. Whether you've been denied workers' comp, you're in danger of losing it, or if you want to settle for a lump sum of money, we are your workers' compensation lawyers. For a free consultation, call one 800 for edgar And remember, there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Join the Penguins e-news service for weekly team updates sent directly to your inbox. Emails include website headlines, player news, ticket offers, game day reminders, and more. Visit www.pittsburghpenguins.com e-news to subscribe today. Hey, Penguins fans. This is Jake Ansel with the Milkshake Factory. You know me for this. And now you'll also know me for this. Every time I do this, you get one of these. Yep, every game I light the lamp, you get half off Jake's Shake the next day at the Milkshake Factory. Jake's Shake is a chocolate shake with brownies, Oreos, and hot fudge, topped with chocolate number 59. And just like all our shakes, it's made with locally sourced farm fresh dairy. Remember, every game I score, half off Jake's Shake's next day. Just mention this offer at checkout. The Milkshake Factory, the official milkshake of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Again, we're, we're getting tested here, and, uh, you know, we always had the next next man up mentality. And I think that's where, you know, we're going to test the, the, the depth of our organization and uh, the character uh, of our players. And uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm totally in trust with the, with the staff members I have that, uh, going to provide us with the best players available. 
That was Patrick Alvin, who was interim general manager for 13 days before the Penguins hired Ron Hextall and Brian Burke on February 9th. Of course, Jim Rutherford had suddenly resigned. And uh, Berkey and Hexy got a uh, crash course, Mets, in <laughs> penguini hockey right from the start and right till the end, basically. Uh, they now know how it feels to be uh, a penguin because uh, we've been through this, uh, these ups and downs and adversity and how to break through the adversity and the, the tragedy and the triumph. And we've seen it all over all the years. And this season was kind of a, in some ways, a microcosm of all that. Do you think that even being brand new here in this situation, not even six months in, essentially, are they feeling any kind of vice from a first-round exit, do you think, to like make uh, an immediate impact in terms of, like, okay, we got to put our fingerprints on this right away? Or do, do you think it's still like, okay, now this season was kind of like the, the, you know, the, the straight track, now we get onto the windy roads and start doing what we want to do? Well, I think that Ron Hextall is obviously a guy with a lot of patience. You know, yeah. That, that, that's, that was the kind of his trademark in Philly as the yeah, GM yeah. there. So. I don't think he's making any knee-jerk reactions. Now, Berkey's a little different in, in the way that he <laughs> He's not quite things. JR, but he's... <laughs> but he's not, you know, I, I think that Hextall's the general manager, and Berkey's the guy who's going to, you know, kind of give his uh, his blessing, if you will, when, when Hexy has uh, something in mind, and I'm sure they'll discuss. But I think they're all getting together, you know, to have a meeting. And, they, you know, the coaches, the, you know, hockey ops people will have a meeting to discuss their team and their goalie, and what they need to do going forward to to get over that hump to get back to winning playoff games because you know we've seen this before in Penguins history. I mean, Craig Patrick let things slip a little bit. I thought in terms of having playoff style teams to win, they were always entertaining and productive in the regular season. Mm-hmm. But then there were some years there where they weren't quite as good in the playoffs. I think that this team is in that boat again. I, I think they have to make some decisions personnel wise that have to do more with winning playoff games than winning games in the regular season. There's such a stark difference now between regular season and playoff hockey. I think it's just really glaring. No, I, I, it's hard to, to argue with it. I mean, we can say all we want, you know, that there was a goaltending disparity, but at the end of the day, you still got knocked around. You were still brutalized. And and I, I that's the only thing, though. I I fear that the league is trending back in that direction again, and it, and it really shouldn't because the speed and skill is what's going to sell on your new TV packages and doing all this kind of thing, and the Penguins really harnessed that and thrived in it in that world. And their speed and skill used to overcome the physicality, so maybe that means there's still not that there's something missing with that, but I know when we started going through guys that were part of those championship teams in 16-17, they all had more of a an edge to them because, you know, you have a Chris Kunitz. You have who was a skill guy who could skate when he was a little bit younger. He could fly. You know, he could do a lot of really good things. And, um, I mean, I thought Matt Cullen was a physical guy for not being known as that. He could go out and take that abuse. Patrick Hornquist, obviously, and a number of other players. Tom Kunockle, Scott And on Wilson. defense, you had Ian Cole, who I just yeah. watched the other night going nose-to-nose with that Colasar of the yeah. of Vegas. I mean, he, he was a warrior. It's like When you look at all of the depth pieces that have left over the last five years, that's where you are today. And they've done a nice, nice job of plugging those holes. But you maybe got to find the, the person – a handful of guys with a little bit more of that yin and yang aspect to their game who can still play the style you want while at the same time being a little bit more physical and putting up with it. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch what they do this offseason, Stag. I'm really intrigued by it. Brian Burke, obviously, with his bringing a knife to a gunfight, and Sully and I will have to work this out. That's going to be the intrigue of this offseason to see how the dust settles on all of that. Meanwhile, you know, 
Ron Hextall pretty quickly identified that this team had a lot of character, a lot yep. of depth, and was able to win games despite injuries. Uh, and so he didn't have to do a whole lot when the trade deadline rolled around, but what he did was really something special. And it's something that GMJR could not have done because of the special relationship that Ron Hextall had with the Los Angeles Kings. Jeff offers a lot. I think, first of all, in his game, he's he's got speed. Um, he's a playoff-proven player. He's got a lot of versatility. He can play special teams uh, five on five. He can play center. He can play the wing. Uh, so he just brings a lot to the table for us. Uh, we felt like it was, uh, we felt it was enough of an upgrade. Uh, our team has done a very good job through a tremendous amount of injuries and to key players. I mean, one of, one of Jeff's top attributes has is, is always been his shot. He's got a very good, a very good shot. He's got a very good release. So, you know, when you get to the puck to the, the puck to the net, and as you mentioned, the playoffs, it's not an easy thing to do. Some of the the fancy players are go by the wayside, and you got to put pucks at net. You got to go there, and Jeff does an extremely good, good job at that. I'll say, <laughs> pretty good uh, advertisement there from Ron Hextall, and accurate to a T, wouldn't you say, Mets? Well, yeah, uh, and I think that he checked every box that they thought he would. I mean, the guy came right in, and I threw his stats at you before, Stag. I mean, he's got the 16 points in 20 games, 13 goals, 54 shots, a plus 9, 14 even strength points. I mean, he he did everything very well. He was outstanding in the, in the face-off circle. Um, he quickly in, ingrained himself into the leadership core here. I heard that mentioned in the breakdown day, guys saying, I mean, the leaders here, Sid, Gino, Jeff Carter, uh, I think Jared McCanson, I used to look up to him, and now on getting to play with him, I'm looking up to him even more, and because they, you know, you and I talked about that, what impact he would have on McCann. I'm glad someone asked that question, because then it came up, and he was like, yeah, I mean, I learned so much, and I'm going to continue to, and, and so I, I I don't think he could have made a better acquisition for this team. And kudos to Ron Hextall for identifying him as someone he knew could be a winner and would fit nicely into that locker room. Boy, he fit in well, and he liked it, too. Hopefully he comes back next year and plays real well for the Penguins uh, and helps them again in the playoffs. And, you know, uh, of course, everybody wants to know when they're asking Mike Sullivan about the evolution of the roster based on the things that Brian Burke has said. So here's what Sully said about that. There's always an evolution of the roster. And, and so, um, you know, for me, it, as a coaching staff, what we try to do is, is put together a game plan that gives the, the group of players the best chance to win. And uh, based on the group of players that we have here in Pittsburgh, uh, the game plan that, that this coaching staff has implemented is, uh, is based on that very thing, you know, and, and so... And and the other aspect of it is 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 just the evolution of the game itself, and and you know where where the game is going. So it, it's a long-winded answer to your question, but I but I think the answer is uh, is stylistically or it, y- yes, the the roster can evolve, and so can styles of play to make sure that uh, we're putting together a game plan uh, that that allows us to play to our strengths, and and that's the question that we ultimately try to answer as a coaching staff. 
You know, Mike Sullivan got here and he identified what kind of players the Penguins had. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, he saw that the Penguins had speed. He knew that he had the ingredients to play a certain way, so he changed the way they were playing under Mike Johnston, and they immediately went on and won the Stanley Cup and played incredible hockey and actually changed the world because the the way the Penguins played at the end of that season was really something to behold. They have basically put on a full-court press, as I used to call it, and they played that amazing pressure-the-puck style of defense that was yep. where, where basically offense was your best defense, where you were just smothering teams, and they were never really able to get into your own end half the time. That's the way the Penguins won in 16. So I, I, full marks to Mike Sullivan for recognizing that and, and, and making his system based on his personnel. Well, I don't think there's any question that if Mike Sullivan's personnel changes because Brian Burke and Ron Hextall want to change it, that he'll do just as good a job as a coach with his assistants at the, determining what style they should play based on the personnel that he has, right? Isn't that what coaches do? Or do you think he's married to playing a certain way and he's never going to want to depart from that? You're going to make me say it, aren't you? I'll say it. No, I, I, no, no, I, no. Think, I think he is a little bit married to playing the way he wants to you, play. because, you, I, And I'm, I think he's willing to change at some point. But that's going to have to be a conversation only because we've seen over the last handful of years, you know, when there were players here that didn't necessarily fit the mold, they're not here anymore. Right. That's so, true. So it's not as if we adapted to them. We said, well, these guys don't fit the system. They got to go. <laughs> I mean, and, or they didn't play. Um, and that's I, a really good answer. So, I mean, yeah. I agree. That's why I asked the question. Yeah, I mean, so it's I, it's that's debatable. What, I, don't, I don't know. And I think he can. I think he can evolve. He's a very good coach. And. Sully, if you're listening, I'm not criticizing you. I think you're awesome. Uh, he has done a wonderful job here. But you have to prove that you can do that a little bit and, and involve, evolve and learn and grow. And I think he's capable of doing that. And I think with this management group, if they're all going to exist together, I think that's what it's going to require because I think we know, based on what we've heard, Berkey and Ron Hextall are going to want to bring in a little bit more truculence. Now, I think it's not going to be truculence in the form of fists so much more. It's a little bit more bulk and size, and maybe someone who is a skilled hockey player. Well, snarl would be a good one. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe just isn't as fleet of foot as some of the guys that Sully likes because guys who can't skate the system usually don't play. That's how I should preface that. It's not even that they're physical or anything like that. If they can't skate the system, those are the guys that either get their minutes cut a little bit or eventually move on. Well, um, I know this. Uh, Brian Doolin and Chris Letang still love the core group and the Penguins' style of play. And uh, if management decides to break up the big three, well, Chris Letang doesn't even want to go there. I don't want to think about those things. You know, I want to prepare and prepare myself. And um, I don't think you can say that um, this year um, we didn't have a great year. Like we finished first in our division and. Some people say the hardest division. Uh, we face a great opponent in the in first round, and like I said, I thought we carried the play um, most of the most of the series. And um, I just think uh, you know there's question to be uh, answered, and um, I'm not in charge of those. So, but at the end of the day, I thought we had a great team and a great core. Um, still, strongly believe in in. Uh, a score of players um, that we can and do great things. So, you know, uh, I said before, it's it was a fine line. I love having them as teammates. I love having them as a group. I mean, they're the ones that established the culture here in Pittsburgh and the winning culture that we have now. And without them, I mean, we don't have that culture. So, it's it's on it's on me to continue that and try to be a leader, learn from them, and. 
I love having them in the locker room every day. I love love uh, being their teammate. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I thought we had a great group this year. We had a really good team. Um, I thought everyone got along. Um, we didn't have much drama within the team. Um, it was just a great group, and it was fun to be a part of. And sad that it came to an end. And obviously, that speed and skill, that's that's kind of what we've established here in Pittsburgh. That's our kind of our mantra. That's, that's how we want to kind of play as a team. Um, obviously in different games, different aspects cause for different things. That's, that's the game of hockey. It's a lot of reading, reacting. You, it, it's hard to plan, but I mean, for our team systems, that's, that's what we base it upon. And, and that's what we tried to, to try to bring. I mean, it's given us success and um, obviously sometimes we got to execute better, but uh I mean, that's what we hang our hat on. And I mean, I think that's what gives us the best chance to win is that. So, I mean, right now that's, I mean, everyone wants to be faster. Everyone wants to be more skilled. So that's kind of what we have to continue to try to get better in. Really interesting. And yeah, you know, it's Brian Dumoulin and, and uh, Mets, uh, you know, you just look at game five, the way the Penguins dominated that game, 50 shots on goal. It's just a sad that they didn't get another goal to get you know a two goal lead in that game and win that game because I think it'll change the, the whole fortunes of this season for the Penguins. And then they they have the tragic ending, which just I think had a more uh, lasting effect in Game Six than it might have otherwise because of the way it affected Tristan Jari. I completely agree. Um, it's just just a spot where they had their moments. It was there. You just get that extra goal, you would have overcome a lot, including some of the goaltending issues we talked about. All right, we'll be back. We'll talk about what the summer would hold and um, for the Penguins, and there's a lot of interesting stuff happening, of course, with the expansion draft, et cetera. So, and I know Metz is he is uh, boned up on all that stuff, he, as he always does. We'll be back with more in a moment on the Penguins Radio Network, presented by S&T Bank. Covestro is a leading producer of high-tech materials which are transformed into sustainable solutions. Its products are used to make cars lighter, buildings more energy efficient, and hockey safer. As the official innovation partner of the Penguins, Covestro is bringing its materials expertise to help rethink the rink. This unique collaboration is in its fourth year of game-changing innovation. From dasher boards to player equipment, Rethink the Rink explores every aspect of hockey for material solutions that impact safety without impacting the game. More information at covestro.us slash innovation scores. Hey, Pence fans, this is Josh Getzoff. Hockey is back. As the official security partner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Vector Security understands that the best defense starts at the front door. And there's no better way to know who's at your front door than with a smart video doorbell camera. View live and recorded video clips and talk with your visitors all from the Vector Security app on your smartphone. Don't miss a second of the action. Call 844-2-VECTOR or visit VectorSecurity.com slash SmartPens for this exclusive offer. Okay, Mikey, who gets your S&T star of the game? Well, first off, I'm going to say that working with you is hard work. Oh, uh, okay, I know what you mean. And after all that hard work, I can't wait to retire. So my star goes to the advisors at S&T Wealth Management. So you're going to hang up the headset and go someplace warm? Well, I was thinking more like hunting moose on a Harley in Manitoba. Oh, they got great hockey up there. I know it. Ask for Wealth Management at 800-325-2265. 
You know Mario Lemieux the player as a winner of two Stanley Cups and six scoring titles, and Mario Lemieux the owner as a winner of three more Stanley Cups. Mario is also a cancer survivor who established the Lemieux Foundation in 1993 to raise funds to fight cancer. To date, the Lemieux Foundation has given over $32 million to cancer research and patient care and established 38 Austin's Playrooms for children and families in medical facilities in western Pennsylvania and across the country. Visit MarioLemieux.org to learn more and join Mario in our fight against cancer. We are more courageous together. You're listening to Penn's Live Weekly, presented to you by PPG Paints. Here comes the summer, and the Penguins uh, certainly will be busy in the front office, and the players will be training hard. You know that after a couple of days of rest to get back to playing a full schedule next year, and I would assume we're going to get back to our old divisions too, Mets, uh, next season. So we'll have to put up with the Carolina Hurricanes coming over into the division, Columbus Blue Jackets, not what they used to be. Won't have to look at the Boston Bruins eight times anymore. Um, but uh, also, in the meantime, there are playoffs going on up north, and uh, most recently we heard great reports on Sam Poulin and Nathan Legare, who are now teammates and uh, having productive playoffs. Well, they were just uh, they're rolling up the points uh, in the playoffs. I mean, so far, uh, when you just look at their numbers, it's 10 games each. 12 goals for Legare, 10 goals for Poulin, 16 points for um, NL, and 15 for SP. So they're certainly scoring. And I saw an interesting tweet uh, yesterday from Jonathan Bomboli from the Trib. He said, okay, you want to get some size into your lineup. Why don't we look at these two guys? I Absolutely. Mean, find a way to get him in. I mean, Poulin is six two, 213 at this point. And I'm, I, they're still, I feel like, rounding into their bodies. So, and Legare is six foot two oh eight. So, if you get these guys in, they have that skill and they have that sniping ability. Pullen uh, is the uh, still a high ranking prospect in the Hockey News Future Watch when they're looking at all the teams. He's one of the few that the Penguins have. POJ's in that mix. Uh, it, but Legare is not quite thought of as highly as, as Pullen because of his skating. I think it's still a work in progress. But Pullen is a guy that around the league in, in circles they still look at as a pretty high-profile prospect who can be a power forward. And if you can get him in at some point, Legere, but if you can get him in, that's a skill guy who can bring a little bit of tenacity and size. I don't know how he is in terms of that. I haven't got the chance to see him play a whole lot. Which one is that, Poulin or Legere? Uh, Poulin. Yeah, Poulin. Yeah. And so when you're looking at him, I mean, he's still, um, he only had 10 penalty minutes in the season. But he had years where he had in the 40s, so I'm not saying I want a guy that takes penalties, but maybe the— No, I know what you, you're saying. You know what I mean? It's like, is he is he a vicious guy? I don't know if he No, he's not. I don't think yeah. he's that kind of player. Yeah, but right I now. mean, but it, to be a body that can be in front he, of the net— Yeah, he takes like up that. some space out there. That's and he can like. shoot the puck and he can score. And, I, you know, I, that, my question with him was you know, skating. You know, like, as you get off the mark— uh, it's know, apparently a lot of improved. these guys look good if they get up yeah. top end speed, but you know how is he off the mark? And that's, exactly. that's the thing I wonder about him. And like our ace skating too is somewhat of a you know a work in progress. But man, he's got a nice wide body on him, and he uh, he has a certain look to him that I I think the Penguins could use. You know, he looks like a classic third line right winger that can put the puck in the net. Kind yeah, of guy, yeah, you know? twenty two goals in ten games combined um, in the queue. I'd say that's pretty good. The you know the queue's known a lot of times for goalie prospects. And you're scoring like that. I always like to see that happen. So uh, I'm curious to see what training camp holds for these two guys. Um, if they get a look, I mean, Sam Poland came pretty close to earning a roster spot in the return to play and even this year. So 
Um, we'll I see think how, they're ready. I yeah. think it's time. You know, I and, really and you got to if you want to, as a cap team, if you want to save some money and open up some space in terms of making trade deadline acquisitions down the line, and these two guys kind of check those boxes, and it opens some options for you. For, you may catch lightning in a bottle. First of all, we've all seen how youthful exuberance works well with this team, so I think they're two guys that could fill that fill that mold. So. You have the expansion draft coming up for the Seattle Kraken, and teams will be required to submit their lists of protected players to the league on July 17th. Each team is able to protect one goalie and opt to protect either eight skaters overall or seven forwards and three defensemen. And the Penguins uh, are exempt from having John Marino and Pierre-Olivier Joseph on that list of defensemen that they would have to protect, so they don't have to worry about those two. What are your thoughts on who the Penguins might lose and how they will go about making that list. Well, that's another interesting conversation I heard this week. And uh, different people have differing opinions on this. Everyone always assumes you just expose guys that you think would get taken and maybe you want to shed yourself of due to contracts, etc. But others kind of say, well, would you risk exposing someone like Gino or something? Because his age, his contract, for as attractive as he would be to a new market, would they take him? Because it kind of hamstrings them off the hop with a, with a contract that they can't fit in or they wouldn't want to fit in. And I would never do that. But I thought that was an intriguing way of looking at things. Uh, people around the league, you look at mock drafts that they're doing, they, they point to a Jared McCann potentially as someone that would be exposed. Mike Matheson's name has come up as someone that would be exposed. Marcus Pedersen has come up as someone that would be exposed. Um, and, and whenever you see that kind of thing, um, it makes sense based on contracts and the seasons that they had. But I, I almost feel like now would be the time you'd hate to lose a Jared McCann based on him becoming a more consistent player, kind of harnessing himself a little bit uh, and, and, and becoming what they hoped he was when they acquired him. You know, what's going to happen to Cody Ceci? Well, he, he really played well for the Penguins. Here's I, the move. I, and I had this conversation, Stag. He's a free agent. Don't do anything with him until after the expansion draft. Make a deal with him and say, we'd love to have you. And the next thing you know, you sign him after and you keep him. And will the Penguins get a goalie? <laughs> That's the move I'm looking at. And um, let, let's talk John Gibson into existence here in Pittsburgh. He's a Pittsburgh boy. The Ducks don't really need him for years to come. If you have an asset you want to move that's attractive, maybe that's a name on the list that you could get. However, I heard Elliot Friedman really pointing a finger at Jonathan Quick based on his relationship with Ron Hextall as a good veteran to come into this situation. Who wins the cup? Who's in the final and who wins? Uh, you know what? I, I think it changes on a daily basis based on the games I watch, but it's kind of hard to pick against a team like the Avalanche. I mean, the, the Vegas Golden Knights look very good. Tampa Bay looks very good. So I think one or two of those will be in the final. There you go. Mets, great work with you. Great you stuff too. today. Thank you so much. Wayne Gretzky Anderson is going to have some fun now and get ready for another big season next year, our producer. And I'm Paul Steigerwell. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great summer. This is the Penguins Radio Network, presented by ST Bank. <laughs> UPMC has you covered when you need to see your doctor. UPMC video visits allow you to have a video appointment with many of our primary care providers and specialists without having to leave home. There's no need to cancel an existing appointment and no reason to wait to schedule a new one. Plus, UPMC is here for you with urgent care video options. It's easy, convenient, and all from the comfort of home. To learn more, talk with your doctor today. 
I'm Jordan. A little thing I love about Chick-fil-A's new lemon kale Caesar salad is how the textures combine the warm grilled nuggets and the dressing and lemon juice. That's my favorite. Order the new lemon kale Caesar salad on the Chick-fil-A app today. Available for a limited time. Real guests paid for their testimonial. Pittsburgh's biggest discounts for Pittsburgh's biggest hockey fans. Shop JimShorkey.com. Score big on over 3,000 vehicles featuring the hottest new models from Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Ford, Kia, Mitsubishi, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, and now Chevrolet. The time to trade in and trade up is now. Your deal, your way. What a great day. Proud sponsor of the Pittsburgh Penguins and equally committed to giving our fans a great experience. Shop JimShorkey.com. Hi, Pittsburgh Penguins fans. This is Tristan Jari. You may know me to make big saves on the ice at PPG Paints Arena, but off the ice, I make big saves as well by trusting the walls in my home to PPG Paints. PPG Ultra Last is engineered to save your walls by repelling the most difficult stains and by resisting unsightly scuffs, even from hockey pucks. If you want to keep your walls looking clean and fresh, choose PPG Ultra Last, a hometown Pittsburgh brand you can count on. PPG, the official paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins.